Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. B98.5, 80s, 90s, and now. Good morning. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Tad. We have Drex. Good morning. We have Kara. Good morning. And we have on the phone with us Dr. Del Rio, who is a professor at Emory University, our coronavirus expert, the Fauci of Georgia. <laughs> Dr. Del Rio, how are you? Doing quite well. Tired yet? <laughs> well, early in the morning. I just yeah. saw your uh, your face on uh, Channel Two, and you're wearing this nice custom suit. It fits you like a glove. So I'm curious what you're <laughs> what you're wearing right now. Uh, still, still my workout clothes. Uh, he's wearing the suit. He <laughs> sleeps in the suit. Lululemon, but it's the male. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Creepy Drex. Drex, please. Uh, I just wanted to ask you right off the uh, out of the gate, Drex. You posted this as uh, this World Health Organization. There's been some confusion about whether or not you can get coronavirus after you've had it. Right? Is that? Yeah. So they said they're going to do the antibody testing, and that's to show if you had already had it. Maybe some people think they had it in January or February, uh, and then potentially you're immune to it. But the World Health Organization says, whoa, 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 maybe you're not. Can you clear that up? Well, you know, I, I mean, I think that, that the problem is there are many tests out there. I mean, I think we, people will become immune. The question is, what tests are you using to measure the, the presence of immunity? And I think that's the issue. The issue is not that whether you're going to become immune or not. The issue is what, what tests are you using to determine immunity? And that may be the problem because you may be using the wrong test, right? And that's, I think, what the World Health Organization is saying. Be careful of people offering tests out there that may not be the test you need. So I guess it kind of along those lines, then, you, you talk about if you're already getting it, you have immunity. And I think that's what Sweden was trying to do. They're trying to do this herd immunity. They didn't really they, – they, they enacted some social distancing laws, but they didn't shut anything down. And they're saying that they had some success. Was that a smart strategy? You know, some places are trying that strategy. I don't know if it's a smart strategy. We'll know later. But even, you know, even if we have the idea that we're going to have herd immunity, at least on this first round, I think it's going to be really hard for this virus. I mean, roughly, I would tell you, in the U.S., you know, there are about, what, 325 million people? Mm-hmm. To get herd immunity, you need to have about 220 million people infected. So we think in the U.S. right now we just passed a million. Let's assume that there are 10 times the number of people infected than what we're measuring. So there's 10 million people infected in the U.S. 10 million is still way, way far from 220 million, right? So uh, I think the idea of herd immunity will require so many people to get infected. And my concern is while you're trying to get so many people, while so many people are getting infected, there's going to be many people that are going to die. Mm-hmm. So just to and I, clarify, herd immunity, for anybody that doesn't like understand the whole idea, is, is that this number, a great number of people would have to have already gone through, had coronavirus, and now they've got the antibodies in their system. How, like, What was the amount of time, for example, because my wife was talking about that. She was like, well, you know, the herd immunity, like, you know, and, and the vaccines and all this <laughs> stuff. And she was, and I was like, Jessica, 
This would be like if we were at the beginning of polio. Like, we have herd immunity now for polio for the most part. You see a case pop up here and there Mm -hmm. in some countries. How long does it take? But I think you put a good example in polio. Initially, in a lot of diseases, herd immunity is a combination of of passive immunization, i.e. people that get the disease, like we're talking with this disease, and active immunization, the use of, of vaccines. In polio, we may actually be, you know, as people drop their vaccination rates, we may actually be losing herd immunity simply because we simply not, since there's no longer natural infection, we may be losing herd immunity. So I think one of the concerns that I have is people forget that herd immunity is something that you can easily lose. So I think it's a little different because it's a new disease. Nobody, we don't have a vaccine and nobody's immune to it. I think that will change as more people get infected. And it will definitely change when you get a vaccine. And that's why you don't need a vaccine with 100% efficacy, right? Right. Because if you, if you have a vaccine with 40% efficacy, that may be sufficient to get you where you need to be. I wanted to ask about just the kind of like where we're at right now. When this whole thing started, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I was like, oh, my gosh, everybody that I come into contact with is a potential carrier of this horrible Mm -hmm. disease that is, you know, so bad. And so I was really sheltering in place. And now I see people kind of relaxing that a little bit. Do you think like, I don't know, say a month and a half ago when this kind of started ramping up whenever that was. Do you think we're in a better position now? Do you think the chances are of getting coronavirus are higher or lower than they were back then? Should we be more afraid, more sheltering in place now than we were back then? That's a, that's a good question. I think that we're in a better position than we were before. And I think we're in a better position because of the sheltering in place. What do we, what do we need to do? And what we need to do is we need to finish the job we started. Because the reality is if we don't finish the job we started, we may be back to where we were in the beginning. And, and that's a place I don't want to be at. And uh, I really want to be, I want to be out of this. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to say this is something from, from a monster from the past and we no longer need to worry about it. So don't, but, get, so don't go out and get a Dr. Fauci tattoo today. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, I, I think uh, I, maybe, maybe later, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks. What I think Dr. Del Rio is saying is, is that you wouldn't take a 28 to 3 lead going into the third quarter and then stop playing. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's exactly right. You know, I, I'm not telling, I'm not telling, I'm exactly telling people we're in the seventh inning of this thing. You know, don't change your strategy. It's working. You know, if Bobby Cox was here, do you think he would say, oh, you know, it's time to put, you know, to to put the, the, the second team since we're already ahead? No, I don't think so. You want to finish the game. And, 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 and that's what's really important. You don't want to give up at the seventh inning because you're going to lose the game if you, don't, if you do that. So that's the challenge, right? Yeah, Dr. Del Rio, as you're saying that, I'm looking up, looking up at the screen and the headline is quarantine fatigue sets mm-hmm. in. Yeah. And my concern is, is that, yeah, we're reaching that fatigue spot just at the time the governor is saying, oh, you can go to restaurants and we're sort of like over it. And I read this when this was first starting. I read an article and it was like, we're going to get tired of this just at the at that time. We're going to think, oh, we're out of the woods and it's going to create this like horrible mess. And I just wanted to get make sure we get the word out again and again. Like this is not over. We need to hunker down and be stronger than ever. Stronger together, Atlanta. Um, I just saw an article about how people treat their groceries, and I've thought about this quite a bit. 
There's a scientist says that they treat their hands as potentially contaminated when handling groceries and unpacking them and make sure that they wash their hands fully when they're done with that process, but says that we don't need to, like, wipe the outside of our groceries down. What I would say is, is if your hands are touching a box, you're, as you're unloading, like, say I bought a can of seltzer water, as I'm unloading that can of seltzer water with dirty hands, isn't the virus rubbing off onto the individual cans as I'm loading them into the fridge? And doesn't that create that kind of a snowball effect? You know, I don't don't worry that much. I think that what you need to do is wash your hands. I think we are overblowing, you know, the concern about groceries, et cetera. Uh, I would just say, you know, I take my groceries. I, I'm careful. I, you know, make sure that I, if I touch them, I put them in the refrigerator, I put them in the pantry. But I don't then touch my face, right? That, I think, is a challenge. We need to be sure that, that we pick up the groceries, we put them away, and we wash our hands. And emphasizing hand washing, hand washing, hand washing is what we need to tell people. I mean, at the end of the day, the most important thing you can do in this disease, and in many other diseases for that matter, you know, is hand washing. If we can get people to wash their hands and to, to be careful by doing that, I think we're going to make a lot of progress. Dr. Del Rio, with people going kind of overboard, I've noticed some behavior from our dear Tad here that (laughs) we are one of the few that get to come into the office still every day. There is a very small crew of us here, but Tad has gotten into the habit of holding his breath when people walk by him. (laughs) Can we just (laughs) all agree that he's taking things a little too far? Well, you know, I think think we're we're all doing... Strange things that 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 we didn't do in the past, but I think it's uh, you know it's it's unnecessary to do it. But I can see you know I can see people saying, hmm, you know, I, I'm going to be walking by a other person. I better hold my breath. Again, you know, many places, and that's the reason why we are recommending people wear a mask when we go, they go in public. Or for example, I'm you know I'm in our healthcare systems. We have recommended that people wear masks regardless of where they are whether they're seeing patients or not, just because we think that exactly you could be in an elevator with somebody, the person may be infected. You want to be sure that you are not, you know, picking up something there. Very quickly, I saw that you were had been looking forward to seeing the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, and that sort of, you know, you're a scientist, you're a doctor, that sort of fits the mold. Can you tell us <laughs> something, like, do you watch Tiger King, something that makes you, like, that's that we would be surprised by? <laughs> Honey Boo Boo something. No, no, no. I, you know, Big Bang Theory, I like that. Well, <laughs> but it's a science, yeah, it's a, it's science show, too. Very, right, we'll follow up with this on Thursday <laughs> when we talk. Thank you, Dr. Del Rio. Appreciate it. Take care. Have a good day. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye.